right. It's Christmas, everybody. I'm not going to be the ninth person in the last 30 minutes to tell you Merry Christmas, although I want to, but it's that glorious time. I mean, who doesn't love, like, love Christmas? The food, I love Christmas music, our whole family's here, it's taken us the last three months to save up money to feed them, but they're all here. 17 Ramses. we have two little baby Jesus for a Christmas play out in our barn later tonight. And uh, we have a new Traeger grill, pray. We got $225 worth of ribeye sitting on it right now, and it's the first time we've ever used it, so pray, saints. And um, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I love all the Christmas decorations, and they're going to come take them down in a couple weeks, and it's going to be, like, so depressing to come here. The trees out there, the music playing, and um, I can't help myself but get outside at this service and in the lobby, and um, I don't know who decided to not have a morning service this morning, but whoever did, that was awesome. Can I get a witness, somebody? Like, getting to sleep in on a Sunday and not feel guilty about it, and just two services in the afternoon on behalf of the staff we'd like to all just say thank you for not doing three Christmas Eve services and uh, we had 14,000 people at the three o'clock service and there were 4,000 in the lobby and uh, you're fortunate you have room to breathe here this tonight so thank you for being with us it is Christmas and you know if you're ever a part of our church you're familiar with my ministry, you know, I don't mail it in. There's never a service or a sermon or a teaching or a devotion that I just kind of mail it in. I never go to sermons.com, and I know I always come amped up. And I know people regularly tell Candace, you ought to sneak in some decaf sometimes on Sunday mornings. And um, even if she did, I don't know if it would help because it's Christmas. And I wonder... Can you believe it like God, God, you've heard it your whole life. God became a baby. It, you have to spiritually like pinch yourself and go, this is real. He was entrusted to a little teenage first time mommy, 60 miles away from home. Gotta get back on a donkey in a place where the president's trying to kill everybody two years and younger, all males. And he came. It's incredible. You know, I'm caught up in the characters in Luke 2 that wound up at the stable by the manger on that first Christmas. And you know, every character, when you look at how supernaturally they were drawn to be at the birth of Jesus or shortly thereafter, Everyone that came, it's incredible to understand how they um, were caught up in how they got there is a message about what's in God's heart. And when you look at the characters at your Christmas, tonight, when you eat dinner, or wherever you're going to do it, or tomorrow, the people who are there or the people who aren't there that should, maybe should be or didn't get invited. It tells you a lot about what's in your heart. 
And so let's take a look at the characters that wound up there. In fact, we've all looked, and everybody pretty much has a favorite character or the one they identify with the most. But I want you, we're going to vote, and I want you to, like, give me a, woohoo if you like that character as I list them. And if you don't like them, I want you to boo, okay? Everybody ready? Let's start. So let's start with um, the prophets. Isaiah, he prophesied it 700 years before it ever happened. Awesome. Micah, he prophesied that out in nowhere, little podunk country town like Bethlehem, the Messiah was come. So Micah. Awesome. Um, Gabriel. Um, the angels that filled the whole sky saying to the whole heavenly host. Awesome. They would feel good about that because Gabriel got all the press and he was like the favorite in heaven. Um, shepherds. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the wise men, who, they didn't come there, but in Matthew 2, we know that they came soon after, probably about months or maybe a year after Jesus. Wise men. How about the animals? Wow. The animals got there. Y'all like him more than the prophets. That's incredible, the, the animals. You know, I get asked often, like animals, do you think animals are going to be in heaven? Pastor Chuck, and I go, I don't know about your cat, but my dog's going to be in heaven. <laughs> you know, we actually have dog, golden doodles, D-O-O-D-L-S. One's Reagan and one is Lincoln. You can follow them on Instagram. This is a true story at, at conservative dudes, D-O-O-D-S. Don't do it now. I know you're tempted to, but like animals, animals, do animals like God do we know? There's probably an ox or a cow or a donkey, maybe a camel, because it was a manger. It was by state. It was a barn, maybe probably a cave where they kept animals. And they were there. Wonder if they knew. Wonder if they knew, had any sense of what was going on. Probably did. Because God put us, he put something unique in animals. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you're kind of like an animal. And, um, but Think back in 2004, remember when the tsunami hit um, Manila, the Philippines? And like, if I remember correctly, it was like 230,000 people died. It was in a, and it was amazing that hours before the tsunami hit, animals had moved to the highest places around where that tsunami was coming. Something was in them. It's incredible to think about animals in Christmas. Reminds me of the little kindergarten teacher at the end of the year, right before Christmas, the last day, they had a Christmas party, and all of her students brought a Christmas gift. And the florist daughter happened to be in her class, and she brought the gift up, and the teacher shook it, and she could tell it's light and fluffy. And she, the teacher said, I, I bet I know what this is. It's a flower. And the little girl goes, how did you know and the teacher said, I don't know, something just told me. The next little guy was the baker's son. His mom and dad ran the bakery and pies and cakes and cookies. He, he handed the teacher the box. She shook it. She, yeah, it sounded like checkers or cookies. She said, I bet I know what this is. It's um, cookies. And the little boy goes, wow, how did you know? And she said, I don't know, something told me. 
And then the next guy came up, and his dad rent, owned the liquor store in town and uh, handed the gift to her. And she saw it was dripping out of the corner, and so she caught a little drip and put it to her lip. She said, what is it? Is it wine? And he goes, no, it's not wine. And she took another little, she said, what? I wonder what it is. Is it champagne? And he goes, even with more glee, no, it's not champagne. And she goes, I give up. What is it? And he said, it's a puppy. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the teaching here. So we've got the animals. Um, how about Herod? Caesar Augustus. How about Joseph? Come on. Awesome. And Mary? And then how about the star, Jesus? Come on, everybody. You can do better than that. So it's all about him. I wonder if the characters that I just mentioned who were there at that time or close to it, if they could just be here with us tonight, and what would they say to us, each of those characters? You know, after they came to realize what happened and the impact that that night had on their world, and they were there. Like, I, what would the prophets say? I think if Isaiah could come, Micah, they, they would say, we told them. Well, in a, really, God told them, said he would come from a virgin, that his name, we named him, wonderful counsel, mighty God, everlasting, Jesus, Emmanuel. Yeah, we told him, God told him, he would come from Bethlehem. That's what the prophets would say. Wonder what Gabriel, if Gabriel could come as an angel, that favorite angel who got to tell all the good stuff to Daniel, to Zechariah, and to Mary, what would he say? He would probably say, she did it. That little girl did it. She received the message that God told me to give her, and I was having a hard time believing it. But she received it, and she said, I'll, I'll be a servant. And she served it. Gabriel would say, and it changed her world. It changed the whole world. What if the heavenly host, that whole innumerable host of angels, could just fill this room? What would they say? They would say, we left heaven and when we got into the earthly realm, the angels from the realms of glory, all we knew to do was to tell those little shepherds, Gloria in excelsis Deo. And that was, that's Latin for glory in the highest to God. Angels from the realms of glory. What else are they gonna say? They'd probably say, you should have seen those shepherds' faces 
Speaking of the shepherds, if we could get those blue-collar, minimum wage, third shift, the light's always shining on They'd be awkward about even being here in a crowd because they're always out with a bunch of animals protecting them. But that changed their life. I bet you they would take this microphone and say something kind of like this. We were just out there minding our business. We're sitting there. I was watching my flock of sheep. And Joe's watching his. And all of a sudden, there was an angel. And it nearly scared the life out of us. And the first thing that angel said was, hey, don't be scared. Today I bring you good news of great joy, and it's for everybody. And before we knew it, the whole Sky was filled with angels. There was angels everywhere. As far as every direction we looked, there were angels in the heavens singing. And then when the angel left, we made haste. That means we went real, we hurried over to Bethlehem. And when we got there, I didn't know if anybody knew what was going on. And so I wanted to tell that sweet little couple. And I walked up to that little lady. She was sitting there holding the baby. And I didn't know if she knew who she had just given birth to. But the angel said if that was going to be the Messiah. And so I tapped her on the shoulder. And she turned around. And she was crying. I thought I better leave her alone. I looked over at her. I guess it was her husband. I said, sir, excuse me. He turned around. He like stared through me. I said, she's holding the Messiah. And he just looked at me like, I know. And I looked back over at Joe and I thought, what in the world are we doing here? I got home later that night and the next morning when my wife woke up. I told her, honey, you ain't going to believe what happened last night. I started telling her about the angel, and then all of a sudden there's all these angels. How scared we were. And that God came out in our field out yonder and said, go. Messiah has been born. She looked at me like I'd lost my mind. She turned back around. She said, you have lost your mind. I grabbed her by the shoulder and I turned her back around. I said, honey, God has come. And I just hugged her. And it was months and years later when she finally believed. What would the wise men say? We, the song, We Three Kings, they weren't kings. They were like sorcerers, like magicians. They were, they were outside the Jewish Hebrew faith. They weren't looking for the Messiah. How did they show up? And we know they weren't there that night, but they did come and they brought gifts and they worshiped. God inviting outsiders, non-Christians, 
to the birth of Jesus. What would they say? They would, you know what they'd say? They'd say 1,700 miles, 25 miles a day, over two months it took us. And when we got there, to, we went into the capital and we asked the king. We had special privileges and we got to talk to him and we said, Herod, we understand the king of the Jews has been born. And all of a sudden, for some reason, we weren't expecting it and he got angry. And we figured out where that little Messiah baby had been born and we went and we took our gifts and when we left, we understand the king tried to kill every little baby boy 24 months and younger. Those outsiders would have said, we don't understand that religion. But we know that supernaturally a star in the sky for months led us to the very house. The king didn't know where he was. The religious leaders couldn't tell us where he was. But there was this star that led us. And we left our gifts there. What would Joseph, if Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, could take the microphone and stand right here, what would he say to you? I don't know exactly, but I guess it would be something like this. He would say, wow, what a God. What a God. In his humble carpenter, calloused hands, soft-spoken, uneducated way, he would say, we just wanted to get married. I loved her. She loved me. We'd been raised right. We loved God. But we had no idea. We had no idea. And he will stretch you. God will it's so beautiful and yet so hard. But he's faithful. We would go, I would go to bed going, God, I can't marry this woman. I had even made arrangements to divorce her before it was final. I went to bed that night and I'd already talked to the attorneys. And I had a dream that was so real and it was not from too much pizza or Italian food. And God spoke to me in that dream. It was spiritual. And all I know was he made it clear this was him and I'm to marry her. I woke up that next day and I did exactly what he told me to do. What would Mary say? What would she say to you moms? You see, Mary didn't realize there'd be Catholic churches and universities named after her. She'd probably stand up here flat-footed, five-foot-nothing, and say, I didn't know all this was coming. She would say, when the angel talked to me, I was scared too, just like the shepherds. But he said, there's favor. She would say, that part in the Bible where it says, and she pondered all those things, she would say, I'm still pondering. <gasps> Me? 
He came to live and grow in me. She would say to you moms, watching him eat bread that I had made, me knowing the prophets, this is the bread of life, eating my bread. Sometimes I sat and wonder, I wonder if he likes it. Because he would never complain if he didn't like it. I mean, she would say, that day when Judas betrayed him, have you ever had one of your children have to walk through betrayal? And then they came and they crucified him. She would say, you know, that was unbearable pain. She would continue on and she'd probably end by saying this, but when we heard the rumor on Easter Sunday and we ran to the tomb and when the angel said to us, why are you looking for the living in a grave site in a cemetery? This is where dead people are. We were first perplexed. What are they talking about? And when that angel said, he's not here, something leaped in my heart. And the angel said, he's risen. And the other Mary went in and looked, and he wasn't there. And we ran to the disciples, and they didn't believe us. We were women, and they thought we were being emotional. And all of a sudden, Jesus, my son, appeared through the wall. And he said to Thomas, look at my... That's what Mary would say. This is real stuff. This is, these are real people like us. What, what would Jesus say? If Jesus could take the microphone, I don't know. I'm just guessing. And Before I say what I think he would say, let me tell you, in Genesis 1, we get an indication of what he would say and why he would say it. What does Genesis 1 say? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless. You don't want to live in a formless. There's no order. There's no laws. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. Kind of sounds like the earth in 2023. Formless. Void. There was, there was no reason to be found of why anything is going on that's going on. And then it says, and it was dark. And the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm going to go a little deep, even though we have children in the room. Listen to me. This was days before the sun and the moon and the stars were ever created. Who, who took care of that darkness? Who took care of that void emptiness, that chaos on planet earth? John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. You see, the true light capital T, capital L, came into the earth before the 
S-U-N, light was even created. How many of you are thankful that the true light has not only come into the earth, but into your heart? Void, darkness, chaos, meaningless, purposeless, misery on, your, on earth. And then the light came. And we know that in the cosmic natural order, everything is parallel and there's whatever's profound in, in energy and life-giving in the cosmic natural world, there's a parallel in the spiritual world. And God created the S-U-N. And we know that the S-U-N, all life on planet Earth, plants, vegetation, even people. Our bodies are healthy when we get the vitamins from being exposed to the sun. Grass that's in the shade too much of the day doesn't grow like grass that gets the S-U-N. And whether you're a flat earth or a round earther, the sun gives us both. And it's not about whether it's a flat earth or it's a round earth. It's about the sun. Can I get a witness? Everybody's like, I'm not sure because I don't know if they're flat or round. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but not for this. And then the S-U-N. It gives light. And everything that's exposed to it lives and is healthy. And then there's the S-O-N. And everything that's exposed to it lives without empty, void, chaos, darkness. Are y'all out there? And so Christmas, we're getting ready to light a bunch of candles in here. And I don't know the story of your life and how you got in here. And some of you may be going, Pastor Chuck, I'm just here for my parents. Bless their hearts. And I'm not sure I'm into, I, you asked me in the beginning, do we really believe it? Pastor Chuck, God bless your heart. I don't. Well, those of us who do realize it's a game changer. Like biggest understatement of the year. And those, if you're here tonight, you say, I'm not sure it happened, then you got some questions to answer. You got to ask, how did the prophets, 700 years before he came, give infinite detail about where he'd be born, how he'd be born, through a virgin, who would come, what they would bring? 332 prophecies. If you don't believe that this stuff really happened, why is it now, 2,000 years later, it's still in every civilized nation on planet Earth, even nations that are not Christian, celebrate this holiday? you got to be some kind of special to survive world history for 2,000 years. Brothers and sisters, the evidence is in. Jesus has come, and what would he say to you? He would say, I am the light of the world. I always have been, and I always will be. Now, really? That's it? 
Yeah, in a world that doesn't have light. Unless he's here. Because there's no such thing. You know, darkness isn't a thing. It just doesn't exist. It only exists where there's no light. In the Bible, in John chapter 1 says this right here. In him, Jesus was life. Somebody say, praise the Lord for that. Come on, you can do I'm not going to let you get out of here without, like, trying some of the double-shot espresso. Jesus, that kind of, in him. This was no regular baby. This wasn't so God could help the card companies have a holiday in the winter. This happened in the most mysterious, unthinkable, creative, loving way. And in that little baby was and is life. And that life became the light for all mankind. Come on, somebody. And still to this day, the light shines into the darkness. And darkness has never won a single battle, scrimmage or skirmish with light. And John said... And the darkness has not overcome it. The Amplified Version says it. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. And still, we're not just another religion. We're not just sitting here in the south with a bunch of country bumpkins in the Bible belt. We're even, thank God, in the Bible Belt, we haven't been so inoculated. The people in this church, they don't melon in either. The light of the world has come, and that's the one we've been singing to tonight. And that's the one we celebrate. In closing, Merry Christmas, everybody. Shortest sermon of the year. You're welcome. Mark chapter 10, there's a guy, Bartimaeus. He can't, he's blind since birth. He's never seen. In the first service, we tried it, and I'm not going to try it because we had some people get antsy and have to see Pastor Munn between the services for some counseling. Just have, tried to have everybody close their eyes for 60 seconds. And the, the desire to be in control, the, the fear, the where's my purse, what's my, my cell phone, are, are the ushers coming, what's... We, we, could, we couldn't go 60 seconds in darkness. No wonder Bartimaeus heard there was an opportunity. He couldn't see, but he could hear Jesus was coming. And he screamed out, Son of David, Messiah. I believe what the shepherds learned. Messiah, hey, have mercy on me. Feel sorry for me and do something. And Jesus said, bring him here. As the religious people tried to say, stop it. Don't act like that. It's the Messiah. And they brought him. And Jesus said to him, ask him a question. What do you want? Because Jesus wants, listen, hunger is the result of a revealed and confessed need. Jesus knew what he wanted, but he wanted him to confess it and feel it. 
He said, I want to see. And Jesus healed him. And Bartimaeus, no, what was his life like after that? And who appreciated the personal miracle Jesus did in their life more? Bartimaeus or Lazarus? I don't know if it, that's not an easy choice. Maybe Lazarus, when you're dead, you're dead. You don't know you're dead. And you don't need anything. Maybe Lazarus was in a place where he's like, oh, Jesus, dad, gummit, why'd you have to do that? I liked where I was. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything about after Zachariah. doesn't tell us anything about after Bartimaeus. Maybe this is why the same gospel of John says, he did so many things we couldn't write him. If the skies were a scroll, the songwriter said, and the oceans were ink, we couldn't write about all the stuff Jesus did. And you know what? Who are you, Bartimaeus or Lazarus? For me, I'm both. That's why I don't mail it in. Ephesians, Paul said, I was dead in my sins, and by his grace, I've been made alive again. Anybody else identify with Lazarus tonight? And Bartimaeus, I was blind, but now I see. Thank God for his amazing grace. Isn't he worthy? Thank you, Restoration Church, for going beyond the Krispy Kreme holiday religious glaze, check off the Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. Don't you walk out those doors, take some pictures, get in your car and go home the same way. The light of the world has invited you to the stable. Whew. And whether you feel I identify most with the animals, the wise men, I don't know why it invited me out of nowhere. God just reached down in my unsafe family and saved me. Or you're like the shepherds. Everywhere you've been your whole life, people look down on you. But not Jesus. What a Savior. What a Savior. Let's come to his table tonight. Would you stand with me? Honey, would you hand me the elements, please? Thank you. Before we take the elements, if you're here tonight and you say, my world is a little bit chaotic, and some of you in this room, there's a little touch on your, there's a little knock on your, the, the door of your heart, and, and it's God saying, your world doesn't have to be chaotic or dark. And if you'll pray this prayer with me and challenge God to reveal himself to you, this could be the greatest Christmas of your life. It could be the greatest Christmas of your life. I want everybody in this room to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you. I want you. I surrender my life to you. I make you my savior and ask for forgiveness transform me change me fill me with your spirit and help me live for you bring me out of darkness and into light I ask you God if you are real prove yourself to me come on somebody reveal yourself to me 
I am open. I am hungry. And I need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. If you prayed that prayer, I stood in this altar two Sundays ago. And a couple from Iran, former Muslims, nine years ago, he stood right there and he told me about nine years ago. He was a crier at the mosque who, who gave that eerie sound when it was the call for the time of prayer. And he grew empty and he said, I said to God, if you are real, I'm giving you three months to prove yourself to me. He said to me, Pastor Chuck, it didn't take three hours. My life was changed. And now they run a ministry to reach out to Muslims around the world. How else? Wise men, the Magi. You say, do y'all really believe that stuff about blind Bartimaeus? We do. Not only do we believe in miracles, we expect them. And we have experienced them. I'm going to tell you something you may not believe. In October, we prayed for a lady in our church who for seven years was wheelchair bound. And she is walking today. God healed her. Because he's still doing that. Where people are hungry and open to letting him be the Lord of their life. The night Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper with the disciples, before he was betrayed and then taken to trial and then crucified, he took a piece of bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. When you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And I want to ask you to take it and eat it in remembrance and with a heart full of gratitude and worship, receive the Lord's body. And the Bible teaches us his body was broken so that ours can be healed and made whole. In Jesus' name, if there's any sickness, just tell the Lord, I receive your healing. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. At the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of your sin. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink.
the stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and repining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder a new and glorious Lord.
almost passed out for Arville on that one for him. To our production team, all of you musicians and singers, Christmas season is a busy, demanding season, but you guys have just made it glorious. And we are so grateful and thankful. Beautiful. And to you, Restoration Church, may the love and the peace of Jesus flood your homes, your marriages, your dinner tonight and breakfast tomorrow. And may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Y'all know how we do it. Say it. I receive it. Now, before you blow these out, gently blow them out so that we don't have to have zero res out here all next month. And at the end of every seat, there's a container. Once you blow them out, you'll pass those containers and we can drop them in. Merry Christmas, everybody. You are loved. God bless you.